Welcome back to Microfamous. We're talking about influence, which is one of my favorite, favorite topics. You know, the goal of the Microfamous system is to make you famously influential to the right people. And I want to talk a little bit today about influence making everything easier. Why is that? What does it make easier? What effect does that have? Why is that important? Um, because I think there it's easy to get caught up in the quest for attention because obviously that's the first hurdle uh, to really get somebody to look over our stuff. And it feels like it takes so much to get attention that we spend all of our time there. And uh, most people spend seemingly their entire uh, lives slash business careers, whatever, uh, looking for what gets attention. And then they end up never really building any influence because they end up just moving from one thing to the, to the next, trying to find what gets attention, never really finding what builds influence. And they never really become known for any one thing. And it's a trap that I don't want you to fall into. Uh, it's something that we all need to be aware of because the world we live in is very geared towards attention and everything in terms of the marketing advice that we get is geared towards attention. So like everything kind of pulls us in that direction. Uh, hopefully this episode will pull you back towards focusing on what I think is the right goal of all of our marketing, which is to make us famously influential and not just to everyone, but to the right people. And I'm gonna point out three areas where having that level of influence, being famously influential, having the level of influence that we want in our space where we're known for what we do, people understand the problem that we solve and who we work with, that kind of influence. There are three areas where that level of influence makes everything in their business easier, but I want to zero in on three specific areas in this episode. So the first one we're going to talk about is sales. Well, how does, how does influence make sales easier? Well, one of the ways it does that is by virtually eliminating trust issues. You know, Seth Godin in his book, uh, I, This Is Marketing, he was talking about why uh, ads don't pay off as much as they used to or they could. And he just said, look, the web is such a scattered, cluttered, dis distrustful place. He said it's hard for ads to pay for themselves because people don't believe the claims enough to where the ads can be profitable. It takes so much to get someone over that trust barrier to get them to take action that by the time you've spent all that money to get them to do that and, and you take out uh, your other costs, you don't actually have any profit left. And now, obviously, that doesn't apply to everyone. I think there's maybe a top one to 5% of people in the online space that do run ads profitably. But the diagnosis of the problem from some Seth Godin's point of view, I think is absolutely spot on. Uh, the more people see this stuff, the more people see gurus and experts and people that call themselves experts on the, all these different topics, it's hard for them to know who to believe. They don't know who to trust. And as a result, they are distrustful. So if you're going to go out into the market and do anything, you want to do it with the aim of building influence in such a way that it eliminates those trust issues. Like when you have that level of influence, you know, the level of influence of an Amy Porterfield or a John Maxwell or something like that, uh, it's really a matter of, do you want to work with them or do you want to buy their thing now? Or do you want to buy it later or whatever? It's really not like, it's not a trust issue anymore. You know, I don't worry about what's in John Maxwell's next book. You know, if, uh, if the title looks good, I'm going to buy it because I've, I've, you know, paid attention to his content long enough that he's famously influential to me. You know, for a lot of people in Amy Porterfield's community or Dana Malstaff's Boss Mom community, you know, they have such a level of influence with their people in their space that it's not so much an issue of do I want to buy it? Do I trust that their stuff is going to get me results? It's when am I going to buy it? Can I afford it? Do I pull the trigger now? And from a sales perspective, that's a much better spot to be in when the question is not, do you trust me? It's when are you going to buy my stuff? You know, when's the right time? You know, when are you going to pull the trigger? That sort of thing. That's a way better position to be in uh, when you're trying to sell something. 
the other way that uh, influence makes sales easier is that it's a it's a completely different way to bridge the gap between you know someone not buying someone and, and they do buy something uh, rather than using your sales skills because a lot of times you know if you're in the coaching consulting world you probably have a one-to-one face-to-face or a you in front of a group of people sales skill set right if you deliver a presentation or you talk to somebody one-on-one and you ask them questions you can get them to want your stuff and there's that, that that is the foundation that all of your sales rests on, right? We we all need to be good face to face. If we can't be good face to face, odds are we're probably not going to sell something online. But if you're trying to scale, that's a different story, right? Because if you're trying to scale, and the thing that closes deals is you getting involved, well, you've you've got a massive cap on your business. Meaning, if the only way that you can sell more and scale up your sales is you've got to scale up your own time involvement and using your sales skills to get more people to say yes, then you're going to hit a ceiling, right? You're just you're going to hit a point where you can't take any more sales calls in the day, or you start to sabotage your own sales. I've you know some of my friends have noticed them themselves doing that. You know they. Uh, because they're taking the sales calls and they get tired of it, they start to actually self-sabotage. So the uh, the level of influence that you have, the more influence you have in the space, the more famously influential you are in your space, the more you're able to get sales that come through that level of influence and people saying yes to you just off of your website, and just off of a sales page and maybe an offer made off of a podcast, rather than you having to get face-to-face with them or on the phone with them and work your magic to get the sales to close, right? So it's just, it, selling online is such a different game. It's all based on the same principles, right? The psychology of how do you move someone towards a sale, that like that's that's just human nature stuff. It's not that it's different. It's that you can eliminate a lot of the objections, a lot of the mistrust, a lot of the issues that you might have to deal with on a sales call or a consultation. You can deal with that stuff through the content you put out. Right, that's what that, that goes to my fundamental belief that you can create ideal clients. You don't just use your content to find the ones that are already out there. You can actually take people who would normally be a pain in the butt or or just wouldn't be a good fit for you. And by the content that you put out, you can actually transform them and create new ideal clients. I firmly believe that because I've watched it happen with my own eyes, with myself and with clients. So uh, when we think about sales, influence can eliminate trust issues. It can answer objections ahead of time. It can it can bridge that gap between someone that doesn't buy and someone that does without having to you step in and use your sales skills. There's a lot of ways in which influence makes everything easier. You know, just kind of give a practical example. You know, if I think of Seth Godin's you know next book, I don't even know what it is. I already know I'm going to buy it. Well, why is that? Because he's famously influential to me, right? It's not just that I've read the books before. It's that he is known, like he is the marketing guru, so to speak, that I pay the most attention to. It's almost like a marketing philosopher. And so I like that type of content. Not everyone does, but I do. You know, if if you're a big Brene Brown fan and Brene Brown comes out with a new book, odds are you probably already decided you want to buy it. The only question is when and will you pull the trigger right now? Does she have a special offer or something that's going to like cause you to hit that tipping point and go, okay, you know, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to buy her book right now, right? Because they've already become famously influential. They've already become that. So now the question is like the sale is already halfway made. They just need to bring it home. That's what influence can do for you. It can eliminate a lot of the groundwork you'd normally have to lay through other means 
It eliminates the trust issues that you might have to like try to lim- you know build trust in person or face to face or at a speaking engagement. It eliminates all that stuff, and it gives you a completely different way to get more sales that don't depend on your sales skills, right? Because if you if everything rests on your sales skills, then unfortunately you have a hard limit on the business. It simply isn't scalable. All right, so let's move on to the second area, which is marketing. How does how does influence make marketing easier? Well, when the goal of your marketing shifts from something vague like exposure or I just want to get my name out there, right? Those are vague goals. But when your goal shifts from something vague like that to the singular goal of becoming famously influential, it makes all marketing decisions easier, right? Decisions about where to focus, what to promote, what to say, how to say it, what your messaging is, who you're talking to, all that stuff, right? Without knowing that the goal is to become famously influential, it's really easy to get shiny object syndrome and just spend a lot of time tinkering, you know, moving from tactic to tactic. Unfortunately, when you move from tactic to tactic in public, it doesn't do much for you in terms of building influence. Uh, unless tinkering is like part of your brand, and that's, you know, that's part of Gary Vee's genius is tinkering with something new is a part of his brand. So when it doesn't work out, when it fails, he's like, this is a proof that I'm doing exactly what I promised you to do, which is that I tinker with every new thing that comes along, right? So it's like he's a sifting mechanism that tries everything new and then tells you what works. That's part of his brand. But if that's not part of your brand, tinkering in public with different tactics and trying a bunch of different things all the time can actually uh, distract and confuse your market and end up lowering the level of respect that they have for you and your level of influence. So you have to be careful when you're tinkering with new kind of marketing tactics. You can't be going from one thing to another all the time because you end up looking scatterbrained. And unfortunately, that's exactly why a lot of people do it, which is that they are scatterbrained, but you don't want to convey that to your clients. At the end of the day, even if you yourself on a personal level tend to be a little scatterbrained, you want to convey the impression to your clients that you are focused, (laughs) that you know exactly what you're doing, that you know exactly how to get them the results, that you have a system, that you have a formula, that you know where you're leading them and you're very confident in how you're gonna get there. Like that's, like nobody wants to see the leader out front. You know, if you imagine uh, Moses leading people through the wilderness, nobody wants to see Moses like having to look at his map every 30 seconds, wondering and looking around like he's lost. Like that does not instill confidence. Uh, So just as as a funny practical example, example, when people see you, you know, tinkering with different things, different marketing tactics all the time, that is the impression that you are conveying, especially if you sell some sort of, you know, marketing or business building service, like a lot of the people in the audience do. If you're a coach or a consultant, and you yourself are unsure of how to build your and grow your coaching consulting business, that does not instill confidence in your clients. So you have to avoid shiny object syndrome, avoid, you know, all the tinkering in public, moving from tactic to tactic. Um, and the other the other thing that, like that influence does for you, besides letting you kind of giving you clarity on decisions and avoid that kind of shiny object syndrome, is influence allows you to go out to the market with a very clear, but maybe you know not quite as compelling message. Uh, there's a great example I would say in the real estate space, which is uh, Tom Ferry. You know, I can't say like versus, you know, some of the other more niche down coaches that we work with that have really, really compelling, interesting, controversial points of view. I would not say that Tom Ferry has an especially controversial, polarizing point of view on success in real estate. Now, there may be other things about, you know, behind the scenes that are polarizing or whatever, um, but we're talking about just his, you know, his message to the market. Uh, It's very, it's just very clear. Like, hey, if you want to succeed as an agent, I'm the number one coach in this market. Very, very clear. It's not super 
polarizing. Uh, it, he doesn't need to cut through the noise by saying things that are extremely controversial or unsettling or startling or emotionally charged or anything like that. Like he is number one. He is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And so he can go to the market with a, with a message that's just very clear. Like, hey, if you want more deals, here's the coaching. There it is. We'll see you at the next event if you want. You know, and then he signs up a lot of uh, coaching clients off the events. Another good example of this is Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins has not had to change the core idea of his of his business since the 80s, right? Now, what's interesting about that is that in the 80s, based on what I've read of what was going on at the time, when Tony Robbins came out and said, "Look, I, you know, personal transformation can happen in an instant," and all the you know the therapists and psychologists and psychotherapists and all that, like everybody got up in an uproar because, well, that's not true. You need lots and lots of therapy, and we got to dig. Like at the same time, one of the big trends in the '80s was digging into your childhood, right? Going back into your childhood memories, digging up all that stuff. Tony Robbins comes out and says, "No, you don't need to do any of that. I can I can lead you through a process to where personal transformation can actually happen in an instant." That was a really startling, interesting, compelling idea 30 years ago. What's interesting is that he hasn't had to move off of that idea this whole time, right? Because he built enough influence in our personal development space that he doesn't need his ideas to be new and fresh and startling. He just has to be extremely clear, right? This is like, hey, this is the event. If you're interested in personal transformation, personal development, it can happen in an instant. Here's where we do it. Go to this event, go sign up. And then again, he's selling coaching off the back end of a, of a live event experience. So very, very clear, very straightforward. So when you look at folks out there that are, that are succeeding, they're already influential. They already have a name. They already have a brand. They're already known for something. And then they come out to the market with a very clear, simple idea. Just recognize that that is a luxury of those who have already built influence, right? The fact that you can come out as a Tom Ferry and say, hey, if you want more deal, more real estate deals, if you want to sell more homes, here's the coaching. You know, here's the event where you're going to learn how to do it. Very, very clear, but not super compelling, right? It's nothing new. It's uh, There's nothing emotionally charged. There's nothing polarizing or anything in there that would make a certain set of people upset, right? It's just, hey, if you want more success, more deals, you want to sell more homes, come here. Here's the event. Here's the coaching. Like that type of just simple, clear message is a luxury of someone who has already built massive influence. They are already famously influential in the space. They're already known, right? People give them the benefit of the doubt. There's already a level of trust, right? So our challenge, if you're on the up and coming side as, an, as a coach or consultant is we have to develop a message that is both clear and compelling, right? It cuts through the noise by virtue of it being, you know, startling and, and emotionally charged and positively polarizing all these things. If you're already influential, you don't have to do that as much. So when you just be careful, when you look at people that are delivering a very clear, straightforward message, chances are if it's working for them, it's because they already have influence. And so influence makes all that easier. It makes your marketing easier. It makes your messaging easier if you already have influence, right? I, I know that I'm going to go buy Richard Koch's new book or Seth Godin's new book or whatever, because they're famously influential to me. You know, uh, Seth Godin's book, This Is Marketing, that, that there is nothing compelling about that title. <laughs> that, that is a perfect example of a title that, that is harvesting and riding off of influence he's already built, as opposed to something that would stand on its own if somebody unknown wrote that a book with that title. If I came out with a book called Matt Johnson, This Is Marketing, it would flop. 
right? Because there's nothing compelling about that title, but Seth Godin can do it because he's already famously influential. So it makes your messaging, it makes everything in your marketing easier if you already have a position of influence. Okay, let's move to the final thing that is made easier by influence. So influence makes next level opportunities a lot easier to come by. So one of the interesting things when you look at thought leaders, you know, Tony Robbins is another good example of this. Um, a lot of what separates a thought leader from one level to the next level is not an accumulation of, you know, like it's not like compound interest, right? Like the thing that makes somebody, you know, a six figure earner versus a multimillionaire is not the fact that they threw some money in the bank and watched the compound interest grow, right? It's, it's, it's rarely an accumulation of just small things over time that cause huge leaps. A lot of times, I would say most of the time in almost all cases, those big leaps, those big next level leaps are catching some new wave, some new opportunity that comes along at the right time. Uh, for Tony Robbins, it was infomercials, right? So he was doing live speaking engagements. He was doing private you know, uh, consultations and, and therapy and things like that behind the scenes. And he had a level of influence, right? But man, it exploded off of the back of infomercials. He was, I think this, was he the second person that Guthy Ranker's uh, company back then? Uh, I think they did something with Nightingale Conant first. Uh, and then I think Tony Robbins was like the second person that they produce an infomercial for their personal development cassette tapes, which is personal power. So infomercials were very, very new. Cable television uh, was still, you know, relatively young. Most of the channels were founded in the early 80s. And so when infomercials, they started to realize that they could buy a remnant time off of these stations and run infomercials at night. That was a new category. Infomercials were a whole new sort of really category. And that category exploded. So when the opportunity presented itself, Tony Robbins capitalized on it and produced, you know, an amazing set of content called Personal Power, these cassette tapes. But more importantly, it was a new wave, right? He caught a new wave of infomercials off the back of another new wave of cable television going into more and more homes all across the country. Those were things that were external. They weren't just an accumulation of Tony Robbins doing a few more speaking engagements. This is a, there were two new waves that were coming along and Tony Robbins caught them at the right time and it enabled him to absolutely explode into the consciousness of the normal average American who was just sitting around watching cable TV at night. So once we have a level of influence in our space, even if it's a small space, that's gonna create new opportunities right? Uh, another good example in our space is Jenna Kutcher, right? She built her influence on Instagram. Now that she has that audience and she has enough influence with them that, that they, their audience actually listens to her recommendations and takes them seriously. Well, now she can be one of the top affiliates for people like Amy Porterfield. If she didn't have a level of influence with the audience, if all they did was follow her content and go, oh, that's nice, that's cool, hit like and move on, it wouldn't matter if she promoted something because she wouldn't make any money off of it. But she does really, really well because she's been able to build a level of influence with her audience to where they actually take her recommendations seriously. When she tells them about a product or a program, they go and they check it out and many of them buy it right? That's a product of influence. That is not a product of just attention. It's not a product of just having followers. That is a product of building real legitimate influence with a group of people. Once you have that, it's going to create opportunities that come along. They could be affiliate deals, they could be partnerships, they could be joint ventures, or it could be something like with Tony Robbins, where some new thing comes along, some new wave, and an opportunity presents itself. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to try X, Y, and Z. And you go, you know, sure, let's give it a try. And the next thing you know, it absolutely explodes and you're, you're propelled to the next level, right? You're propelled to a bigger mass audience. Those kind of things don't come from just 
the compound interest of small things over time. But those small things over time that you're doing to build influence creates a level of influence where it attracts those opportunities to you and it positions you to where you can get offered those things that might be, you know, huge payoffs. They might get you to the next level, their next level opportunities. So to me, influence makes it easier to attract and then seize the types of opportunities that can compel, you know, propel you to the next level. Those opportunities don't come to people that don't have influence right? Because nobody knows who you are. Uh, so it's not just about getting attention. It's about building real enduring influence with the right people in your market so that you're known for what you do. You're known for the problem that you solve and who you work with. That makes everything, everything in the business easier. It makes sales easier. It makes marketing easier. And it makes next level opportunities come to you easier. So hopefully that was helpful. If you are uh, thinking about starting your own podcast and you want to talk through your idea and your audience, see if you've got something that has legs, that, that has potential to uh, to get traction and take off, then uh, just go to our website, pursuingresults.com, grab a 15-minute uh, brainstorm call there. We're happy to walk you through that and, and see if there's something that'll work for you. Uh, and then, of course, just make sure to uh, to leave a review, a rating for the podcast. Uh, if you enjoy the book, you can go to getmicrofamous.com slash free. You can get a free digital copy if you want, or you can go to Amazon to get a physical copy of the book. Uh, uh, if you enjoy kind of what we talk about on the podcast and you want to get more into the strategy, more into the mechanics of the system and how Microfamous works to build real enduring influence in your space and how you can become famously influential to the right people, especially as an introvert, because all of these things uh, that we talk about on the podcast here are really, really ideal if you are not the kind of person that wants to spend all of your time trying to build influence on social media. It can be done. However, the people that are best at it and that it comes the easiest for them are extroverts. And so if you're working to build influence, but you're spending all your time on social media and you know that's not sustainable, to me, you're the kind of person that Microfamous, the system can really, really help. So keep listening to the show, grab a copy of the book, however you like to consume it. Uh, reach out to me if you have any questions, matt at pursuingresults.com, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Microfamous.